Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk about them, but sports for the duration of the show. We have a lot to get into tonight. We have the MLB playoffs currently taking place, and actually, it looks like the Philadelphia Phillies are three outs away from taking a one nothing series lead in the NLDS over the Atlanta Braves. We will see if that holds. Uh, with only three outs to go for the Phillies. Uh, We have some NBA, uh, a huge NBA trade to talk about. Uh, We will, of course, do our Whispers Wishes uh, NFL picks later on tonight. Uh, We also have some NFL injuries, some pretty big injuries to discuss as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have a lot, we have a lot to cover. Uh, just a reminder, first off, uh, some of our other programming, the Survivor 45 podcast. Uh, remember, every every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com slash AE. Also, the Big Brother 25 recap podcast every Friday night on blogtalkradio.com slash AE. But... Currently, to start off with tonight, we have Lou and we have Diane joining me tonight, and I'm sure we'll have Alex joining later on and a few and a few others potentially as well. But first off, Lou and Diane, how are you two doing tonight? Hey, thanks. All right. All right. Well, that's good. That's good because you know what? I think we are going to start off. Well, I, I hate starting off on a negative note, but. Um, yeah. We did have some sad news in the world of baseball. Uh, first off, well, actually, there's two. There's two different stories uh, when it comes to baseball. But uh, first, we had uh, just earlier today, former big leaguer Jim Poole passed away at the age of 57. Uh, he right. pitched in 11 big league seasons from 1990 all the way to 2000 pitching for eight different clubs during his career. And he was also diagnosed with ALS uh, back a couple of years ago. Not to mention he also worked with the MLB Players Association for many years as a member of their uh, pension committee. And most recently, he, would, he had served as the chairman of the Major League Alumni Marketing Board. Uh, he made his MLB debut with the Dodgers back in 1990 after being originally drafted in the ninth round by them uh, back in 88. Uh, He posted a 4.22 ERA in his first stint with the Dodgers before finding his way around the league to the Rangers, the Orioles, where he spent about three, I think three or four seasons with the Orioles. Uh, before moving on to Cleveland, uh, where he pitched in the World Series that year. Uh, Before then, jumping over to the Giants the next season, where he stayed for three years, before he moved back to Cleveland in 98. And 
then heading over to the Phillies for 99, and he split 2,000 between the Detroit Tigers and the Montreal Expos. So clear to say, clear to say he was definitely a journeyman throughout his MLB career. Uh, and it's unfortunate. It looks like it looks like he did die officially of ALS, uh, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, very, very unfortunate. Uh, however, he wasn't the only death that occurred this week, as the world of baseball lost potentially maybe the best knuckleball pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball, or if not the best, one of the best uh, knuckleball pitchers in Major League Baseball, Tim Wakefield, the former Red Sox uh, long uh, mainstay who just recently uh, it was revealed uh, having uh, been diagnosed with brain cancer, officially passed away on last Sunday due to a seizure resulting from brain cancer. Uh, His cancer diagnosis had been revealed days earlier by the asshat that we all know as Kurt Schilling, uh, his Mm -hmm. former teammate. And, of course, that uh, reveal was not authorized by either Wakefield or his family. Uh, But Wakefield spent a majority of his career with the Boston Red Sox after originally being uh, coming coming into the league with the Pittsburgh Pirates, where he spent two seasons. Uh, He compiled a total major league record of 200 wins and 180 losses for an earned run average of 4.41 and a career 2,156 strikeouts. He was a two-time World Series champion, uh, both times in 2004 and 2007 with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, He is a one-time All-Star, and he is also a former uh, winner of the Roberto Clemente Award, which is given to the player who best exemplifies the game of baseball, sportsmanship, community involvement, and also the individual's uh, contribution to his specific team. Uh, as this is uh, this is uh, an award that's also voted on by baseball fans as well as members of the media. So, right, let, let's go to you first, Lou. Um, your thoughts on the uh, on the untimely deaths of Jim Poole and Tim Wakefield? Yeah, it's very untimely to have you know uh, these like um, you know and have something that you know it's such a uh, a fairly young age that you know, quite, a, quite a great career uh, nonetheless, and, you know, that's just a shame to what happened to him. As for Wakefield, that is another sense tragedy, but I think what, you know, Schilling did, you know, um, was pretty stupid. I mean, if, if the family told him that, you know, to request his privacy and he goes out and does it on a podcast, I mean, he's not being, he wasn't being very respectable. Then again, Schilling, of course, I always thought was a jerk anyway. But, you know, when they gave him, when he said he was on respect of privacy, uh, I think Schilling was in the wrong, especially where millions of people can, be, can hear it. So, you know, Schilling, I gave, I think I gave it a black eye. I mean, in Wakefield, we knew he was sick, and that's just, you know, it's just what happened, you know, these players, these brain cancer, ALS, 
I mean, you know, baseball players don't take, you know, as much as punishment as, say, football or hockey players do, but, you know, it's just, just sad nonetheless, and uh, they will be missed. Still, uh, Schilling, I think, was was in the wrong for doing what he did, you know, Right. Oh, yeah. Give him a bloody sock. Yeah, he definitely no. He definitely was in the wrong with uh, with what he did. Um, especially what what makes it even more tragic is uh, considering Wakefield died a couple days later. It basically makes it look like that Wakefield was essentially on his deathbed when Schilling revealed this information. Which makes it which makes it even more uh, even more pathetic by Schilling. It is pathetic. The fact that uh, literally it was literally days ago that Schilling had revealed this news, and the, literally the last thing that the Wakefield family uh, should have had to go through while while dealing with this situation. And there are rumors that the Red Sox may retire Tim Wakefield's number 49. And deservedly so. Uh, And I think think it should be deservedly so, because not only did Wakefield stay a majority of his career with Boston, but after Boston, after he retired, he still stayed in the Boston area uh, being a – not not just a uh, commentator, but also an analyst for the Boston Red Sox uh, for for Nesson for many years. Before uh, and actually, he was still employed by Nesson uh, before uh, at the time of his passing. Yeah. So, considering that Nesson is owned by John Henry, I think it would be fitting if. Wakefield, if Wakefield's number gets retired uh, in yeah. the uh, in the rafters of uh, Fenway Park, well, what are, what are your thoughts, Diane, on the untimely passing of uh, Jim Poole and Tim Wakefield? All right, first of all, I haven't even heard of these people, but. I think Schilling was in the wrong for for revealing that news. Yeah, Schilling was was definitely in the top side. Yeah, Wakefield Wakefield was a uh, was a teammate of Schilling's, which actually makes it even more pathetic that Schilling did this because uh, Wakefield was there throughout all of Schilling's Red Sox career, basically. So yes, that makes it even more pathetic. Yeah, that 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 literally that just makes it even more pathetic in this case. But what's unfortunate is that mm-hmm. I mean obviously his his record isn't good enough to have put him in the Hall of Fame, but I think literally I think he you know honestly obviously he's in the Red Sox Hall of Fame, but mm-hmm. Considering he was one of the best knuckleball pitchers in the history of Major League Baseball, I am kind of surprised that he hasn't, uh, you know, you know that Wakefield uh, was never really considered for the Baseball Hall of Fame. 
Although maybe with the new with the new modern committee, maybe uh, he could potentially get in. I think it's unlikely, but um, it's unfortunate because he was probably one of the best knuckleball pitchers to have ever played the game. Uh, let's bring in let's bring in Alex. Uh, Alex, we're ta- we're talking about the deaths of Jim Poole and Tim Wakefield, both who. Uh, coincidentally passed away at the age of 57 this week. Um, what are what are your thoughts on the untimely uh, on their untimely passings? Yeah, really, uh, really unfortunate news um, for both them and their families, obviously. And then, like we were talking about last week, the way the way Wakefield, um, the whole thing was situated, uh, the whole situation was handled was really in poor taste. But uh, definitely thoughts and prayers out to their families. I hope uh, there's some better closure and help. Uh, I don't know if Kurt Schilling's going to issue an apology or what he's going to do. Who knows what that? What I'm not that thinking, but I just wish that guy would go away. But yeah, very sorry. Very sorry to hear the news for both both families. So, do you think? Uh, here, so here, here's a here's a uh, a question that we were talking about uh, that might potentially happen. Do you think, uh, considering the fact that Nesson is owned by John Henry, just like the Red Sox, and Tim Wakefield and Tim Wakefield had stayed with uh, had stayed on with Nesson following his Red Sox career, and actually he was still employed by Nesson when he passed away. Uh, do oh, wow. you think that the Red Sox may potentially retire his number forty nine jersey? Yeah, I think it goes beyond just um, you know on the baseball diamond more than just the sport with him, especially since he's definitely, he was, uh, you know, until his last breath, he was part of the Red Sox family as an employee too. So that adds some extra, I think an extra reason for them to consider that. So if I were up to me, I would um, rather see someone like that go than, you know, maybe someone who has like fringe statistics. He has a lot better. There's a lot bigger reason to include him now. Um, so yeah, I would, I would vote yes. Yeah, it's. I think it's definitely something for them to consider, especially if John Henry. We all know the negative publicity that he's getting right now uh, in recent in recent months uh, involving the Red Sox. You know, I think it's definitely something he may want to look into, um, which would yeah. garner some goodwill, uh, if anything. It'll be a good move. Uh, by the way. By the way, speaking of the Red Sox, speaking of the Red Sox, they are apparently in the market as a real threat to land Shohei Otani. Uh According to multiple outlets, the New York Post, Sports Illustrated, they all have articles on the Boston Red Sox linking them to Shohei Otani mainly because of of his uh of his closeness to the new balance owner uh in particular uh John Heyman of the New York Post has said that a move is reportedly growing more likely as one executive with an interested team said he believes they are a real threat Shohei has a new big deal with New Balance out of Boston. Perhaps more important, 
the Red Sox need to balance things out after three last-place finishes in four years. And it also says if the Red Sox do land Otani, maybe their faithful forget Mookie Betts for a little while anyway. And, of course, for anybody who doesn't remember, uh, who could forget the Red Sox trading Mookie Betts instead of inking him to the extension that he deserved. Uh, But, you know, I kind of believe Heyman in this situation. I think the Red Sox will make a a major attempt to try and get Otani. I don't know if that means they will actually get him. Uh, Obviously, he won't be able to pitch next year due to right. uh due to suffering a elbow injury but he should be ready to hit in time for opening day yeah. and you know that alone would make him our designated hitter especially with uh with Turner potentially opting out of his uh of his contract and if the Red Sox were to add another pitcher or two in free agency their rotation would be set for not next season, but the 2025 season. Their rotation would potentially be set. Uh, so let's start with you on this one, Lou. What are your thoughts on the Red Sox all of a sudden being linked to Shohei Otani as potential major players? I did hear something of that. Uh, yeah, the rumors are true, um, but is it going to help the Red Sox with their but they're pitching because, of course, that's one thing I think that went wrong this season. Then again, or hitting right because, uh, you know, the Red Sox were, were lagging off a lot this year. I mean, they expected to do better, and they didn't. So, come to say if Otani is, you know, the right one they're looking for. I mean, he has lost a little bit of steps, even though uh, he did well in hitting for the um, Angels last year. So, I mean, the, the uh, Red Sox do need, a, do, need a, do need a good, solid hitter. And with the price that they're asking, uh, maybe they're going to get. Of course, the Yankees, I think, would be asking, asking too much to get him. So, he'll probably be as best idea as to go with the Red Sox. Much as I hate the idea to begin with, no offense. But uh, if that's going to be the case, then I guess it's going to be, um, he'll be in a Red Sox country. <laughs> well, I do believe, I do believe the Yankees will also be in the running. However, yeah. you know, I, kind, I, I do kind of... I do kind of agree, though, with what John Heyman is saying, uh, considering the fact that the Mookie Betts trade has always lingered over John Henry's head for so many mm-hmm. years since, since the trade happened. He, want, he likely wants to do something to get people to shut up. And the way to do that <laughs> would be to shell out the money for somebody like Shohei Otani. Right. And, Show me the money. You know, how, how big – uh, how much bigger of a deal could a new general manager make than for his first deal as general manager to bring in Shohei Otani? Oh, I would shovel out a lot. Whoever they uh, decide to to have as general yeah. manager, at least. Can't start it uh, on a better. I... Can't start on a better note than that. I mean, here you go. No, you can't. Shohei, the money. Shohei, the money. Yeah, yeah the, the money. money. It would be a big splash if the new guy came in and did that. Mm-hmm. I like what Lou said. You know, obviously he can't he can't um, can't pitch ha- can't pitch for a year, but he can't, he can't pitch. Yep. Sorry. 
Hang on, Diane. Well, one one at a time. Happen. Well, it can't happen until free agency happens. Until free agency hits, which is once right. uh, once the World Series is over. Um, I forget when the official start of free agency is. Fifteen days after the World Series ends. Okay, so that would probably be what end of November. Mm, Mid-November, pretty much, just before Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, uh, it says here November 10th. Yep. November 10th would be the uh, would be the first uh, date for uh, for the start of free agency. Uh, that would be the optimal time that. Teams like the Red Sox would have a chance to sign Otani. But uh, go go ahead, Alex. What what were you uh, what were you saying about um about your thought your thoughts about uh, Boston and Otani? Yeah, it'd be huge. I mean, hitting wise and marketing wise, it'd be awesome to make a big splash for the for whatever the new G, new GM that would take some heat off the owner for some of his bad moves, especially the Mookie move, and then. Um, you know, it's more than just next year. Long term, I'm got to assume everyone, anyone that signs him wants him to be able to pitch again. So they'd have one year without pitching, but then hopefully, I mean, don't you guys think he's going to come back to pitching eventually? Because I mean, that's just a huge addition for anyone who gets him. He's going to resume pitching. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, I, I assume he will probably he will probably pitch again. It won't be next year, but I assume he'll probably pitch again at some point. Uh. I think the thing with That's Boston is because right now they're actually looking at extending Nick Pavetta. And when you consider all of the depth that they have pitching-wise, I mean, they got Brian Bello, who's in arbitration. Uh, Josh Winkowski is arbitration, as well as Cutter Crawford. So I would say, if anything – they could probably add a pitcher or two besides Otani and be fine for this season. Uh, matter of fact, like, like, uh, like we've talked about multiple times, they are targeting Yamamoto uh, in the Japan League as well as another pitcher as well in the Japan League. So it's possible that, you know, they could, they could potentially – add a starter or two and still be fine for a bridge year until Otani is able to pitch again for the rotation. It's going to be really interesting. I think the Yanks and especially the Dodgers will be in play. No, none of us want to see that, but I know it's, um, that's not a down year, but it's, uh, I guess, um, Yamamoto's best friend in the world that's playing in the major leagues now is Senga. Who had an awesome yeah. year for the Mets? So the, the kind of I know Mets had a bad year. I know that, but they have that connection too. So I think how do you pronounce it? Yamamoto. I think he might. Yamamoto. He yeah. might go to the Mets. They might. The Mets might land him. Luckily, and then Otani, man. I mean, maybe he wants to go to the Yankees or the Red Sox. Everyone's saying L.A. I don't know how much he really needs or wants to stay at West, but that'd be huge for the Red Sox or Yankees. Well, people are saying LA. Yeah, 
the the problem, Alex, is people are mainly saying L.A. because of the fact that the Dodgers are basically in on any single person that ever goes to the market. And it's it's like it's it's become that you know how the Yankees used to buy their uh, used to buy their World Series win. You know how they would how they would get any single person on the open market every single uh, free agency. It's basically the same thing here with the Dodgers. With uh, ever since uh, ever since Magic Johnson uh, purchased uh, a part of the Dodgers. You know, it's always been that that players want to go and play for Magic Johnson and the Dodgers. So, you know, the Dodgers are going to be in on any single person that is going to pop up there. And actually, from what, from what you said about uh, the Mets, uh, the New York Post did report that two days ago that uh, Yamamoto, the, the Mets may be favorites for uh, for Yamamoto. Specifically because of his uh, relationship with Senga. Yeah, man, he's apparently just as good, if not better. And Senga started rough, but man, he Senga was awesome down the stretch. Two hundred strikeouts, three ERA. And he's, he's by default he's going to be the new the new ace there. So if they land his buddy Yamamoto, that's pretty nice. But I mean, Otani. Imagine if Otani went to the Dodgers offensively. Bets, Otani, Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just forget uh, about it. Get him. I mean, he's just going to add a whole awesome dimension to any team he goes to. That's going to be the most expensive contract ever, right? Otani yes, it should be. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> he can just but name whatever goes, number he if wants. He goes, if he goes to the Dodgers, if he goes to the Dodgers, just forget, just forget about the entire National League. You know, exactly. the National League, the National League will have been decided. It's going to be the Dodgers in the National League if he goes to the right. Dodgers. Just, yeah. like, literally the only league. Man. Well, he's considered the Japanese Babe Ruth. Like, a lot of people are considering him to be the best Japanese player to have ever played in Major League Baseball. And we've had quite a few... Uh, quite a few big name Japanese players to have jumped ship over uh, over from Japan to uh, to the big leagues, but this guy he's he's better than Aaron Judge. He's hitting on Babe Ruth type levels, not just hitting but pitching as well. And as far as Yamamoto goes, I'm trying to find. Okay, here we go. Maybe this might be. All right, yeah. Uh, his stats from this year: sixteen and six with a one point two one ERA through twenty three wow. starts. Yeah. Uh, any rumors about the Sox maybe going for Yamamoto too? I know the Yankees and Mets and then Dodgers. The yeah, Dodgers aren't like yeah, the, on everyone. Sox too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Sox. Uh, the Sox scouted him heavy. Um, Actually, let me double check because I know they scouted him heavy, and they also scouted the other Japanese pitcher. Um, oh my God, I, for, I forget! I forget who. There's two Japanese pitchers that are potentially going to post. Uh, Imanaga, that's who it is. Shota Imanaga is the other one that they've been heavily scouting. Along with Yamamoto, 
and Imanaga uh, this year. And let me bring up his stats real quick. And uh, it's worth noting, too, that uh, – oh, no, actually, no. They played for separate teams. Uh, Imanaga this year uh, through two different Japanese teams was 7-5 and five with a 2.66 ERA through 24 games. But I think he is – he might be out of the – was he out of the pen? Hang on. Uh, it doesn't say if he was a starter this year, but considering the innings that he pitched, he pitched 159 innings. I would assume that's uh, that's as a starter. Yeah, he's a starter, like Sanga. So both of those pitchers have been heavily scouted by Boston this year, uh, as well as, uh, you know, as well as multiple other teams as well, too. So, but it should, you know, it should be interesting. Uh, this off season, you know, Boston having their new general manager, uh, he's probably going to want to, he's probably going to want to start off with a bang. So do not be surprised if Boston uh, are major players in this year's free agency, especially with some, uh, with with some uh, cash being freed up. Absolutely. By the way, speaking of starting off with a bang, let's go over to our to to the NLDS and the ALDS matchups yeah. because currently in the top of the first inning, the Arizona Diamondbacks have put up five runs on Clayton Kershaw. Oh my God! Gabriel Moreno with a three-run homer, and we had an RBI double from Christian Walker, as well as a RBI single by Corbin Carroll. In the top of the all of this, still in the top of the first inning, Kershaw only has one out, and he's already thrown 32 pitches. Oh I hate to say. Father time might be catch, really catching up to him. I mean, he's so injured. And yeah. Their pitch is so thin this year. You guys have seen it. I mean, Bueller, I'm thinking of another couple of guys that I can't, off the top of my head, I can't name names, but the Dodgers are decimated with pitching. They might get bounced. Arizona's hot. They're playing really well. Yeah, 5 0. That's huge. Yeah, you know, I said on Lou's show earlier today that I thought that, uh, that Arizona would have no shot, but. Looking at this start, maybe it's because of the fact that Kershaw is uh, is rapidly aging. But a five nothing start, if this is what their offense is going to be like this this series, LA has a problem. Yeah, Urias is the guy I was thinking of. Urias, yeah. they're missing. He's also what domestic. He got arrested. I don't even know if he's on the is he on the playoff roster. But uh, no, his out. career is over. His career yeah, is good, over. good for him, as it should be. Yes, yeah, so they're missing Urias and Bueller. Probably the two best starters. And Kershaw just doesn't look the same. Yeah. They're start- and then um, Gonsolin's out, Tony Gonsolin. Pretty much almost all the starters for the Dodgers, their starting pitchers are out. Besides Kershaw, is getting lit up. 
in trouble. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, now looking back on it, I don't know why I said that. Maybe it's because of their offense. I, I don't know why yeah. I said that L.A. is going to run is going to run away with this series. I would have well thought that. So bad. I would have said the same thing if I was on that at that point. <laughs> Everyone in the brother picked the and the mother and sister picked the. A lot of people picked the Dodgers. Yeah. Evan Gibber and the show. Evan Gibber and Lou show picked the Dodgers. Well, we all pretty much. Yeah. And just like that, Clayton Kershaw. Five five runs. Six runs. They can come back. They're never done. I mean, five runs. runs. Oh, six runs. Wow. Yeah. Now Clayton Kershaw has been pulled after thirty-five pitches. Thanks to an RBI oh. double by Evan Longoria. So Kershaw is done, and it looks like they are bringing in Sheehan to replace him. So uh, I guess the, the Dodgers are going to try to find some way to uh, to some way to save this game, whatever possible way they can. But. Uh, yes. You know, I I do think Kershaw Kershaw may be reaching the end here. With yeah, with everything that everything that we're seeing, I agree. It's the end of the road, Hall of Fame career. But yeah, and to happen. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to go go down like this, but I mean, you know, I know he's approaching the end of his career, but. What a terrible way to go out. I mean, not not saying that he is definitely going to retire, but uh, I mean, he only signed, I think, a one-year deal this offseason, right? Yes. So, I mean, wow, it's just It's it's and he he didn't have a bad season thirteen and five two point four six ERA, but to he to see him get shellacked like this in the first game of the yeah. of the playoffs just wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I didn't expect it to go down like it's that. really surprising. You know, after 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 seeing this, you know, I still think that LA takes the series, but wow, uh, I did not expect Arizona to get off to such a strong start. Like they like they have tonight, and they're going to bat around. They're they're going to bat around uh, the the lineup, and it's and it's only the first inning. It's going to be a long night. I'm not saying they're going there. You know, I'm definitely not saying they're going all the way. But Arizona is one of those classic examples of a like a really talented young team, and they've really gotten started to play really well at the perfect time. Like Corbin Carroll, uh, Marte. Those are two all-stars right there atop the order. And then you have Christian Walker. They added Tommy Pham, who's solid. Um, yeah. You have the pitching can hold up. That's a dangerous lineup. They're catching yep, and Arizona, right and Arizona, Arizona did just extend their GM, Mike Hazen, through the 2028 season. So there's one of those names that uh, people were looking at for a potential Boston Red Sox uh uh, Hein Bloom replacement. He is officially off their radar now, having signed an extension yeah. through the 2028 season. Also well, worth Boston. noting, he worked under he worked under Theo Epstein too. Oh wow! 
I don't know if the Theo connection to Boston makes that good or bad, but they'll find someone. Oh, it makes they, it they, good. Yeah. John Henry, I mean. for Arizona because it, it, it shows that they have somebody who knows what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I was talking about Boston. I, I thought you were suggesting he was maybe rumored to go there before he, re- before he re-signed with uh, Arizona. I mean, Boston. Well, there, a- were a couple of, there were a couple of connections, yes. Yeah. That's going to be a big GM vacancy to fill for Boston. I mean, Mookie deal and then firing Bloom and falling short. I mean, they, the owner really has to make a big splash. The, 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 you and the Boston, yeah. the Boston fans are pissed, rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, some other finals that have uh, that have gone on today. Uh, Texas, they were able to hang on uh, for game one, a three to two victory over the Baltimore Orioles. I'll tell you one thing, uh, like we like we discussed earlier today, I don't think anybody uh, was expecting Baltimore's offense to be stymied by Texas like they were. No. Okay. Um, I mean, just considering. Uh, the high-powered offense that Baltimore has had, you know, everybody has said that that the pitching has always been Baltimore's downfall this season. But uh, if anything, I would say, if anything, today their offense was the downfall. Because if it wasn't for Anthony Satander's home run uh, in, I think it was like the sixth or seventh inning, Texas would have won by two runs. That crowd was so pumped up in Baltimore that Camden Yards was rocking. Tough way to yeah. start, man. Yeah. Do they play tomorrow or Monday? Game two. Uh, I think I think it's one day in between, so probably uh, tomorrow. Or no, 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 Monday. Oh, yeah. Monday. It's going to be a good series, man. Should be. Baltimore can still do it. they gotta got to get game two, but it's going to be a nasty, great series. So Dane Dane Dunning picks up the win, uh, having gone two innings, giving up two hits and one earned run. Uh, the loss goes to Kyle Bradish, who went four and two thirds innings, giving up. Uh, I believe he gave up all. No, he gave up two runs. Uh, one of the one of the, the other run uh, came from the bullpen. He gave up two runs in the loss. Uh, so I mean, look at looking at this uh, series. I mean, the ALDS the ALDS is what best of five. Yeah. So do we think do we think there's any way that Baltimore somehow comes back and ends up taking this series, or is Texas right now uh, for the foreseeable future in the driver's seat? I think Texas in the driver's seat. The way they played today. That was a big. That was a big shock to, to all of us. I didn't think it's going to have much chance against Baltimore. I mean, you did win 101 games this season, and all of a sudden now you're tiring out. Texas may have some up their sleeve. Play is holding, holding serve, right? I mean, they're up one zero, but as long as Baltimore splits in Baltimore, and then Baltimore won a lot of games. They certainly won some games on the road during the season, so. Right, split in Texas, and then go back to Baltimore for Game Five. They had it's do or die at Game Two, obviously. But yeah, I mean. By the I way, uh, I just che- I just checked. It's tomorrow. Oh yeah, it is tomorrow at four oh seven. Yeah, you got to win tomorrow. 
They're glad yeah. it's tomorrow, too. They want to sit around and and be pissed off for two or three days. They want to play again and even it up. I think they'll even it up tomorrow. Right. And they got to split in Texas. Right. Got to split in Texas and then close it out at home. Or maybe this – who knows? They won a lot of games this year. Um, I don't, I'm sure they're not really afraid of playing in Texas. So, they got to win tomorrow, though, the Orioles. Well, uh, I'll, what, I'll what happens if they don't win tomorrow? Their backs are against the wall, die yeah, for sure. And then they okay. face Navy of Baltimore. What are you talking about here? The Orioles. We're talking about Baltimore. Uh, the oh, Orioles okay. who are down, who are down one nothing to the uh, to the uh, Texas Rangers. Yes. Okay. So tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's starters. Uh, we have Jordan Montgomery going for Texas, and Baltimore counters with Grayson Rodriguez. And by the way, uh, Baltimore, you better hope you do win because you do not want to face Nate Eovaldi game three with Texas up to no. nothing. Uh, as far as the Twins go, uh, we have Pablo Lopez going for game two for the Twins, while Houston sends out Framber Valdez for game two as uh, Minnesota looks to try and even that at a game apiece after losing earlier today six to four to the Houston Astros. Uh, Justin Verlander had a brilliant game for Houston, going mm-hmm. six scoreless innings, only giving up four hits. Uh, he walked three but struck out six. Uh, Hector Neris had a horrible uh, game in relief, giving up four runs in two-thirds innings, which I guess is to be expected considering how he used to pitch for Philly. Uh, yeah. However, though, Ryan Presley was able to, was able to uh, record the save to keep uh, the game for Houston. And the loss for Minnesota went to Bailey Ober, who went only three innings, giving up four hits and three runs. Uh, Kenta Maeda went two innings in relief, giving up two runs, as well as four hits of his own. And pretty much uh, the reason why Houston won was thanks to Jordan Alvarez's two home runs. As well as Jose Altuve also recorded a home run uh, to start off the game as well. Uh, however, though, uh, they, the uh, Twins did get home runs from Polanco as well as Lewis uh, during the portion of this game. So it's – I know I said earlier today – that Minnesota, I didn't really put any stock into them really being competitive at all. And I still stand by that. But uh, this one was within reach. You know, they had yeah. a 5-4 deficit uh, after scoring four runs in the top of the seventh, but they then gave up. Uh, that extra insurance run in the bottom half of the seventh. So, uh, I, I mean, I still see the Astros not making this much of a series. I think, I think it. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised if the Astros sweep it. Yeah, 
I'd love the upstart twins to finally reverse their recent playoff woes and, you know, do something. But, yeah, I definitely don't root for the Astros, but they're damn good. And the Twins just aren't used to winning these big games yet. Maybe they break through this year. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts, Lou, on the Astros uh, taking a one nothing series lead? And do you think uh, do you think that the Twins can come back, or is it ultimately uh, Houston's uh, series? No, I think it's Houston's series. Playing a crappy division anyway, and you know I really don't see how the, the Twins are going to. Survive this. this. This is Houston series to win, unfortunately. Yeah, it is very, it is very <laughs> unfortunate when you consider, uh, when when you consider the history of Houston being involved with the garbage can banging, among other things. Not to yeah, mention they're the defending World Series champions too. So, yeah, just annoying all around. <laughs> I don't want them to. You know, last week even when I was saying, oh, I think Houston's the favorite. It's like it, it was painful to say, but they just win. But I just, uh, yeah, they, they have an asterisk next to them as far as I'm concerned. But they're tough to beat. And, I, yeah, I don't think the Twins are the team to beat them. All right, now our upcoming pitching matchups for Monday's games. Uh, Monday we have the National League games. Uh, for the Diamondbacks, they have Zach Gallen going. And for the Dodgers, they have Bobby Miller. Uh, meanwhile, for the Phillies, who have a surprising one nothing series lead after shutting out the Braves today, thanks to a home run by uh, Bryce Harper, well, to help with it, but uh, a 3 nothing shutout victory for the Phillies today. Uh surprisingly, over uh, Spencer Strider and the uh, Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves will counter Philadelphia's Zach Wheeler with their own Max Freed for game two. So, I mean, what, what about the, the Phillies and, the, and uh, the Braves? Because I remember saying today, uh, while I thought that the Braves would take this series to not count out Philadelphia. You did say that. But I didn't expect that Philly was going to start out this game or going to start out this series with a with a shutout victory. That surprised me as well. And not to mention getting Strider out of the way right out the right at the beginning is huge for Philadelphia here. Huge. Yeah, we've seen that. I mean, we've seen start. the wild card Phillies. The wild card, they, they've done this before when they went on their historic run to win their championship a few years ago. No one really saw the Phillies coming. A lot of the same yeah. players. And plus, you add in, like, Trey Turner. I mean, Phillies got a nasty lineup. And they really, oh, you know, yeah. that's a confident team. That's a confident lineup. And they can hit with anyone. And like you said, that's bigger than usual. Not, not just one win because they took they they already beat you know on the road they stole a victory and they beat maybe the best that's a huge win big time Listen, and by any, the way anytime you get a win on the road in the playoffs in the first game that's big I mean because yep. now the home team's gonna get back against the wall and now they gotta try to figure a way to you know climb back into the series so that was a huge victory yeah definitely. Momentum Philly. Not just Philly. that, but this, is, but this was the best offense in baseball, and they got shut yeah. out 
to start off their playoff run. Yeah, it's nuts. No one could have seen that. I thought, you know, I definitely did not see the Diamondbacks doing this. I'm not Nostradamus, but I, I had a feeling, you know, if one of those two, the Braves or the Dodgers, were vulnerable, I would say I was a lot more confident mm-hmm. that the, the Braves would win. But, um, yeah, Philly's dangerous, man. Braves, I mean, but Braves have had the best offense to get shut out. That's, that's, that's incredible. No one could have seen that coming at home, game one. They're a run. Wow. And, you know, I, I also said it before earlier today, too, that when you have a team like Boston beat the Braves, uh, or not just beat the Braves, but sweep the Braves earlier this season, granted it's the regular season, team like Boston do that to Atlanta, then Atlanta is definitely beatable. And the fact that they got through Strider to begin the series, that is huge for Philly. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, what what do we think? Do we think that uh, is Atlanta still the favorite here, or are we looking at another Philadelphia Cinderella run? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, because I wasn't expecting that from Philly to be at the Braves like that. I mean, we're, we're the best team in, you know in the league all year, and uh, Philly out out them again. They considerably when they were 18 games ahead of the Phillies in the, in the league all in the. Uh, and at least all year, and then this happens. Sometimes the best teams run out of gas. What are your What are your thoughts, Alex? Yeah, I think it's a lot like the um, a lot like the Dodgers. Or sorry, a lot like the Orioles. I think the Dodgers might be done because they have no pitching left anymore. Uh, it's a lot like the Orioles. They're in a hole, but the Orioles, just like the Braves, won a ton of games this year. And they're used to winning on the road. So as long as both those teams win game two, you know, you split. It's not the end of the world. Then they go on the road and they got to take care of business. You know what I mean? I don't think Atlanta's going to – well, Philly has a great home field advantage, too. Uh, but, no, I can't count out the Braves because I think the Braves will definitely win game two and then they'll probably split in Philly and then you got game five back home in Atlanta. I think so. I think because of these two first-round losses by Baltimore and Atlanta – now, at least I predict – I think I predict they're both going to go five games. You know, I still think it's the possible. Braves and Orioles will win. I still think the Braves and Orioles will will advance. But they're both in a hole now. They both have to really win game two. Yeah. And by, and by the way, an honorable, an honorable uh, playoff mention – how pathetic is it for a team like the Tampa Bay Rays to have such a good regular season only to once again flame out in the playoffs in front of yeah. a te- in front of a crowd that isn't even a sellout crowd. The Tampa Bay Rays no matter how good they do, they can't even sell out they can't even sell out baseball crowds. Yeah, that's pathetic. No wonder they're moving. I mean, Monday, one PM on a work day. Well, yeah, the location of the stadium sucks, but yeah, that that was weak. They were ravaged I'll by injuries. That. Too, yeah, that was pathetic. That was a poor look by them. When are they moving stadiums? 
two years. Um, they had a new the stadium deal, I believe. They're definitely moving. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, it better for their own for their own sake. They can't draw any fans there. There's so many people that are Boston and Yankee fans there, and then yeah, it's it's really hard to get to that stadium with with parking and with uh, traffic and. That was just pitiful, though. I mean, there's really no excuse for that. All right. Yeah, it says here uh, it's a $1.3 billion deal for the Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay Rays new stadium. And so it's going to – they're going to have $287.5 million from the city of St. Petersburg and $312.5 million from Pinellas County, and the rest of it would be uh, from tourist tax dollars. Uh, looks like... Uh, I'm trying to see... Okay, yeah, it says uh, the legally binding development agreement is scheduled to be ready in early 2024. Uh, the Rays will pay the county a million-dollar annual license fee for 25 years, Pinellas County, that is. Uh, it does not say when when the uh, thing will start, when building will start, though. Luke called it though uh, a couple weeks ago. I mean, they were, they were so they were hit hard by injuries too. But yeah, that was a that was a quick exit in front of a terrible crowd. It also says here that it calls for the city and county to each have their own exclusive suites and complimentary tickets, as well as a minimum of five thousand tickets annually for low income families in Pinellas County with a household income of less than eighty percent of the area median income this it sounds like this is basically a way for them to try and fill their stadium yes is what they're is what they're trying to do here uh to fill their stadium with lower prices for those who may not be able to afford regular tickets that's what it sounds like at least but I still thought it was pretty pathetic, though, that, you know, you can have such a great regular season. And, by the way, the attendance was piss poor in the regular season to begin with. And then you guys can't even fill your stadium for a fucking playoff game. It's it's just pathetic on Tampa's part. But, you know, who knows? Hopefully, hopefully – I mean, the the scheduling though is just that's I mean, yeah, other teams would have drawn more fans, but wasn't it? It was like a Monday at like one p.m. Uh, game. Right. Like that's just awful scheduling too by MLB. I'm saying, yeah, the Tampa Bay. They, yeah, they, they drawn a lot more, but the scheduling too was pretty tough too. But yeah, they you have know, like even, how many? Even if it was people? later though. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they should have still had more fans. Yeah, even if it was later, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. They probably would have had the same number. It just shows that people don't give a fuck about about baseball in Florida. They just do not care. No, they don't. Specifically, 
specifically in, in the Tampa Bay area. They care more about football and they care more about hockey, if anything, than they do about baseball. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see. Do I have any other? Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the other big notes in MLB, Buck Showalter surprisingly will not return as the manager for the Mets in 2024 uh, after yeah. breaking the news uh, during a press conference before last Sunday's game against the Phillies. Uh, so in his two years with the Mets, he went 175 and 147. And now this move uh, will allow new general manager David Stearns to select his own manager as the Mets look to get back above 500 next season. Uh, I think it's easy to say that the struggles that the Mets had was not on Buck Showalter this year. I don't think so at all. And apparently it was the analytics team, the, guy, the Epler, the GM, who they just fired. He, he left. Yeah, right. He got fired. They just gave him the option yep. to say he was leaving. Um, he was in control of all the nerds upstairs with the analytics of, oh, start this guy. Don't start that guy. Apparently Buck didn't want to start that slob Vogelback who was awful. Yeah, Buck wasn't happy there. He's not crying over it, but yeah. He didn't. He got a raw deal, I thought. And then injuries, trading off the two starters. I mean, yeah, it wasn't Buck's fault. Yeah, and actually, it's funny that you say that because there is a report from uh, NJ.com, NewJersey.com, and this report came from Mike Puma of the New York Post that said that Buck Showalter was forced Billy Epler to play uh, Vogelbach. Yeah. Who's really him? Who's really him? The former... He is the former general manager of the New York Mets after he ended up resigning uh, this past week, even though technically he was fired. But uh, I understand, though. um, I I understand why they – why Buck Showalter wouldn't want to play him because Vogelbach was fucking horrible with the Mets. Yeah. Not to mention, I don't think there's any slower of a designated hitter. Hell, even David Ortiz ran faster than him. How do you? How do you? And he and he was literally being forced to to bat to play him most days and hit him fifth behind Alonzo. It just like hurts the whole lineup. This is off the play. Yeah. Really puts Buck in a bad suit. Would you want someone else telling you how to manage your team? It's just embarrassing. <laughs> so no, it's ridiculous. A real, a really championship team don't do that. So it's just pathetic. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a similar situation that the Red, that Alex Cora was in uh, with the Red Sox, with uh, Heim Bloom probably telling him to play certain players mm-hmm. when Cora probably, like for example, uh, in September when uh, Sedan Rafaela was called up. And Alex Cora gave this bullshit excuse of, well, we're still in the running, even though they were like seven games out. They were, he was like, well, we're still in the running, so we're not going to play Rafaela until we're out of the running. If anything, that was a Heim Bloom move. 
telling him to not play Rafaela because I'm pretty damn sure that Cora isn't that stupid to uh, to to make that decision, especially knowing the position that the Red Sox were in at the time. And those are two really popular, like reputable, like good, really good managers, Buck and Cora. And for them to be like puppets where they have to answer to someone else telling them what lineup to play, it's just embarrassing for both teams. It's not the way it should be. Yeah. Why can't they play who they want to play? Because of what well, their man, the general managers were making, were telling them yeah. who to play. Because the general manager is higher up on the on the food chain than a uh, head coach. Yeah. So basically the general manager is the head coach's boss, essentially. Okay. That's why. Um, and by okay. the way, speaking of Buck Showalter, uh, Buck apparently is very interested in the L.A. Angels vacancy and is trying oh, yeah. very hard to get an interview, according to Mike Puma of the New York Post, after the Angels declined Phil Nevin's option uh, for this upcoming season. So L.A. Uh, may be the next stop on the Buck Showalter, uh, on the Buck Showalter train, which, I mean, for a team that's in win-now mode, that may, you know, believe it or not, uh, this might be what screws the Mets out of trying to get Otani because Showalter was very highly regarded in Otani's eyes. So the Mets may have just screwed themselves, potentially, out of Otani. Yeah. Hmm. And, who, and who knows, they get Showalter, maybe Otani decides to remain an angel. I don't know. That's tough. Great to have a manager you love, but if you don't believe in your teammates, I think I think Otani's bags are already packed. But yeah, we'll see. I think Buck's still got still yeah, manager. Possibly. You got to rock though. Uh, let's see be- some other bits of news. Some some other bits of news as well. Sandy Alcantara uh, has undergone Tommy John surgery. So he will officially miss all of next season for the Miami Marlins. A huge loss for Miami, considering uh, even though they'll have a full rotation with uh, Jesus Luzardo, Yuri Perez, Braxton Garrett, Trevor Rogers, and Edward Cabrera, and also not to mention, as you said earlier today, uh, Alex, Max Meyer will be returning. Uh out losing an ace like Alcantara is going to be pretty damaging to that Miami rotation when you consider just exactly how much better their starting rotation would potentially be if they were fully healthy with Max Meyer returning. Wow. Yeah. Big loss. So needless to say, uh, Miami, if they if they miss the playoffs next year, this may be one thing that people will look back at is the Alcantara yeah. injury. That's gonna be devastating. 
Oh, uh, by the way, I forgot to bring this up. Billy Epler is being investigated by Major League Baseball for improperly using the injured list. Okay. What? Who's really Hepler? The so former the Mets, Mets general manager. Yes. Okay. So I guess it doesn't surprise me uh, with 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 the stuff that you were saying, Alex, about uh, about Billy Epler, and now he's being investigated for improperly using the injured list. I mean, that's if anything, that's a that's a cancer that the Me- that the Mets were uh, were smart in yeah. letting go. Yeah, and then they've had Steve Phillips get uh, busted for sleeping with a like an intern, mm-hmm. and then uh, the other guy got busted for a DUI. They've had some really impressive GMs lately. So add this guy to the list. Another failure. Yeah, you know the one thing that makes me wonder is I I wonder if the Mets will face any sort of repercussions because of this. Hmm. Even though he's no longer with the team. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so I'm wondering how they could feel that repercussions. Well, it could be it, it could be a potential loss of a of of a draft pick. It could be a fine. Okay. You know, who knows what it could potentially be. Right. Uh, also, with the Angels, the Angels have officially cut ties with assistant general manager Alex Tayman. Uh Basically, he worked with uh, Angels general manager Perry Manasian uh, back with the Braves and eventually followed him to L.A. in November of 2020 to serve as his second-in-command. And now it looks like uh, a replacement will be hired in the upcoming days uh, while they're also conducting manager interviews. So uh, needless to say, the reconstruction of the L.A. Angels is officially underway. And also, uh, going back to Baltimore, the Baltimore Orioles have announced that right-hander Felix Bautista will officially undergo Tommy John surgery just when it looked like he was making progress in his recovery and he ended up facing live hitters again. Now, uh, not only did he miss the remainder of this season, but now he will miss the entire next season due to Tommy John surgery. A huge blow to that Orioles bullpen. Wow. Now heading over to the NBA, and uh, Alex, I know this puts a big smile on your face. Uh, the Boston Celtics acquired Drew Holiday from the Portland Trailblazers in exchange for Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, the uh, Golden State Warriors 2024 first-round pick, and as well as the Boston Celtics 2029 first-round pick. And this basically makes the final tally on the Damian Lillard uh, trade to be Portland getting DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, 
Malcolm Brogdon, Tumani Kamara, three first-round picks being Golden State, Milwaukee, and the Boston Celtics, as well as two pick swaps from Milwaukee in 2028 and 2030. So how does that sound, Alex, for a uh, for a return on Damian Lillard? Really good. I mean, all those picks, and then um, those picks will go over to them when the Bucks might be nearing the end of their run, like in several years when Giannis Lillard are older. And then um, getting Aiden and Time uh, Time Lord, Robin Williams, two two good centers, um, Brogdon. It was a really good haul. I was happy for it. Sucks to see Lillard go, but those are the, the, that's the Blues. I mean, that's part of the sport. He wants to go. So they got a lot for him, so did the best they could out of that deal for sure. It was a good haul. And the one thing that I've read about is NBA executives were pissed off that Holiday went to Boston. And the reason being is because of how good defensively Holiday is, and he basically just made Boston all that better. Yeah, yeah. Is something yeah, wrong with us? Holiday, Tatum, Tatum, Brown, Porzingis at the lineup. Well, yeah, and and Diane, nothing's nothing's wrong with that in Boston's eyes, but NBA uh, for NBA uh, executives. Boston already, in many NBA teams' eyes, had the best roster on paper. And now that they add, and now that they, obviously they got rid of Marcus Smart for Porzingis this offseason, and now they've added Drew Holiday, which is basically Marcus Smart, but with better shooting. Uh, It's basically considered to be a nightmare for most NBA teams. And one thing I got to say about this, too, is I I remember saying last week, would Milwaukee potentially regret moving on from Drew Holiday in exchange for, okay, getting better offensively, but is is the loss defensively worse than than getting better offensively? And now... Milwaukee has had problems with Boston over the last couple of seasons, specifically in the playoffs. And now with Boston getting holiday, it, this doesn't make things any easier for, uh, for Milwaukee moving forward. Because like, Milwaukee, they were on cloud nine. They got Damian Lillard. They made the big splash. And then all of a sudden, in comes Boston, grabs a – Grabs Drew Drew Holiday, uh, who is basically the same age as Damian Lillard, except I think he's like one. He's either one month older or one month younger. Yeah. Than Lillard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about thirty three. And yeah, and uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people are wondering, well, why would Boston move on from Malcolm Brogdon and move on from Time Lord? Uh, mm. The thing is, is that Boston was trying to decide between either putting in Al Horford or Robert Williams in a deal for Drew Holiday. And 
obviously, I mean, if you're picking between the two, if you're Portland, you obviously want Robert Williams in that deal. And I think what this says about Boston is that they're not sure whether or not he can ever be a fully healthy NBA player. I think that's why they moved on from him. You got to get, you got to give to get though. I mean, what are they? Yeah. I, I think time Lord's awesome. So Drew holiday is incredible. So it's like, mm-hmm. Robert Williams definitely has plenty of value. I don't think, I think Boston probably had to, had to give him up to get holiday. He, you know, Time Lord's a really good player. I don't know. If Bob right. could have no, no, in, I get, they would have done it. Yeah, don't get don't get me wrong. I love I loved what Time Lord did for Boston. Uh right. problem is was that it, his health was you know, his health was a major issue. He only played in thirty five games uh back this past season. And he hit. He only yeah. hit the sixty games played mark only once in his first five seasons. Wow. The one thing that'll help though is that Portland is going to be starting DeAndre Ayton, so Williams will likely come off of the bench. Yep. Which will help. Which will help with his uh, with his health issues. But I do think he should be – he's still young, so I think he should be a good piece for the future for, for the Portland Trailblazers uh, as, they look to, uh, as they look to continue their rebuild. Uh, as far as Malcolm Brogdon goes, the reason why Brogdon was moved was not only, not only did they try to trade him this past, uh, before they traded Marcus Smart, when they originally tried to trade Brogdon for Porzingis, uh, Brogdon was also pissed off that Joe Mazzula named Derek White as the starting, as the starting point guard this yeah. upcoming season. And thus, after that, the only person Brogdon would communicate with after that was general manager Brad Stevens. And it was basically, yeah, if he had remained a Celtic, he would have been professional. He still would have gone, you know, he wouldn't be doing what James Harden is doing right now, uh, being a fucking diva and, uh, you know, preparing to put on the fat suit for this upcoming season. Uh, yeah, that's right. The fat, the James Harden fat suit is officially returning uh, right. for for the Sixers. Um, but Brogdon would have remained professional and would have gone out there and 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 played, uh, basically sucking up his pride. But uh, Stevens decided to do him a solid, and when Drew Holiday became available. Uh, Stevens moved moved uh, Brogdon as part of the deal, which I mean it made sense because in order to in order to match the salary, Brogdon would have had to have been part of the deal. Uh, but honestly, looking at this deal, I actually 
like I said, it's it's like we basically replaced Marcus Smart with a better shooting version of Marcus Smart. Because Holiday Where's is going to be that Smart type now? of player. Uh, he is in Memphis right now mm-hmm. with the uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies, and that uh, make no mistake about it, that's actually a very good move for Memphis to have acquired somebody yeah. like Marcus Smart because Smart isn't going to put up with the bullshit oh, that uh, ju- But I mean, he, he's not going to put up with the crap that uh, that John Morant is uh, is yeah. putting out there uh, with all of his uh, with all of his issues. Who's John Morant? <laughs> The star point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. You can say oh, okay. He is a dangerous player. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's, oh, he's, he's good. Uh, he, he, is a, he is a former defensive player of the year, so. Mm-hmm. He'll get it back. Well, yeah, but, I mean, keep in mind, they they now have, the Memphis Grizzlies now have uh, the last back-to-back defensive players of the year with him and uh, uh, what's his face? The one, the one, the one who. Oh my God! Why? Why have I forgotten his name? He, he's uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. The one who can't stay out of foul oh, trouble. Yeah. yeah. Now that could be Mister Arell. Yeah, but overall, though, you know, this uh, this Drew Holiday deal, I like it because he won't be playing hero ball like uh, like Marcus Smart would do on many occasions. Uh, and also, this makes sense for Holiday because if Holiday was going to be moved uh, to Portland out of Milwaukee, he wants to go somewhere where he has a chance to win a championship. And... I mean, let's be honest. He's not going to be winning a championship anytime soon with Portland. So, uh, Boston apparently was at the very top of his list when it came to that. But, uh, yeah, that I mean, that should be a very interesting start to – or it should be a very interesting change to the NBA landscape uh, with not just the Lillard deal, but now the Drew Holiday deal. Uh, let's get your thoughts first, Lou. What do you think about, uh, specifically now, about the uh, the Eastern Conference and the NBA following these two massive trades? Oh, boy. Yeah, it's going to be fairly competitive this year in the East. Now, this is what the Knicks can fit into, but the Grizzlies look like they're going to, you know, are going to just explode. So I'd like to see the mix in. But, you know, with the holiday, I mean, the Celtics and probably the Bucks too, and the Grizzlies, I mean, this looks like a, a three-team race right here. So it's going it, it, to go either way here. I mean, you gotta th- you got to think that as far as the Eastern Conference goes, that it's probably going to stay Bucks and Celtics at the top of the East. Probably, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you know, the the Sixers, I don't know if the Sixers will be in third again, considering the fact that uh, they're probably going to lose James Harden at some point. 
in the upcoming uh the upcoming weeks uh but as far as the west goes you know obviously denver is going to be in the thick of it memphis now that they've got derrick rose and they've got marcus smart they're going to be in the thick of it uh sacramento i would expect would remain there as well as phoenix i mean there's you know there's quite a few different possibilities that we could see uh coming out of coming out of this uh this this free agency here that maybe perhaps you know teams that you might have wondered okay are they going to be worse next year are they going to be better next year uh we could be potentially surprised by a couple uh by by a couple of uh a couple of these uh what what are your yeah. thoughts alex on the state of the NBA right now following these two trades? I think there's definitely a power shift and influx of talent, um, especially with guards. I mean, Lillard and Jairo, those are huge moves. Um, I know Jairo is already in the East, but yeah, it makes the Celtics stronger, and the, the Bucks are back to being really awesome too. Heat, the Heat have to be incredibly pissed off because they were really – they thought they had Lillard on the way to Miami, and then he – Portland turned around and shipped him, shipped him to Milwaukee, so they kind of get left out in the cold. Uh, they're going to take a step back. I think they lost Gabe Vincent and a couple other players too. Um, yeah, I think most, I think the real heavyweights are going to be out east, except you still have Denver. Um, but yeah, east, it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to come down to not surprised. I think it, it would be Bucks Celtics winner goes to the finals. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah, and a matter of fact, the uh the off season was so bad for Miami that they turned they turned their star player Jimmy Butler into a Karen with his new hairdo. Yeah. I don't know if anybody saw his new hairdo. <laughs> yeah, uh looking like he wants to see a store's manager. Yeah. He's going emo. No comment. Oh, by the way, this in the Colorado Buffaloes uh, get back in the win column with a game-winning field goal over Arizona State, twenty-seven twenty-four. So, so uh, Coach Prime is back in the win column. Marvelous. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, speaking of. Speaking of Harden, uh, the Clippers are actively working on a deal for James Harden. Uh, originally, the uh, the Clippers' initial offer was a first-round pick as well as a pick swap. Um, but apparently, according to uh, according to uh, one of the Philadelphia new, uh, sources. The Sixers are looking for Terrence Mann and multiple first-round picks in a deal for James Harden. I don't know if they're going to get that, but that's what they're currently—that's what they're currently looking at from uh, from LA. Such a weird team. I mean, give me a break. If West Westbrook and Harden. <laughs> ridiculous and then Kylie Leonard you know, and Paul George playing twice a week hanging out with sweatpants yeah. Redskins, whatever they call it load management yeah it's 
ridiculous teams. <laughs> Harden will fit right in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely uh, – it's like you want to talk about the island of misfit toys. That's basically what the L.A. Clippers are, uh, are starting to turn into. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Divas. All right, moving over to the NFL, where we have quite a few injuries to talk about. But first, there are only two – or actually, no, now there's only one winless team left. And – That would be? That would be the Carolina Panthers. However, heading into – before the Bears' shocking upset victory over the Commanders, the Bears held the first two overall picks in this upcoming draft if things were to have remained the way they were. Because they hold Carolina's first-round pick as part of the uh, – I, I believe it, it was part uh, of the D.J. Moore trade. injuries to discuss here uh, and I gotta tell you New England doesn't need any help to suck but we did get more injuries from New England Matthew Judon is out until at least December with a with a lower bicep tendon tear Suffering Boy. in the loss to the in the thirty-eight to three loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, though, he was not put on injured reserve. However, you know, just honestly, in my opinion, I feel the Patriots are going to be so far out of it that it won't even make sense to bring him back. But yeah. they should just. They should probably just just have him uh, shut down until next season because it, it wouldn't make sense uh, at the, at this point. They're they're basically gonna they're gonna be out of it uh, following their loss to uh, to the New Orleans Saints tomorrow. So uh, and yes, that was a spoiler for uh, Whispers Wishes. I am picking the Saints <laughs> in in that matchup. Surprise, surprise, I pick against New England again. When the Saints come marching into New England. Yes. Aren't I I the best Patriots fan picking against my team every single week? Yes. I've got to pick with the Eagles. You've got to be realistic, man. You've got to be objective. can't just blindly say every week your team's going to win every single week. Come on. But, yeah, you have been on a bit of a streak with them. You've been picking against him more times than not. <laughs> and I'm dead, ser- I'm dead serious. I really do think the Saints are going to beat them this week because we have our starting cornerback will be J.C. Jackson, who didn't even play last week for the Chargers after New England reacquired him in exchange for sixth and seventh round picks in the 2025 draft. And for some reason, after J.C. Jackson signed with the Chargers, uh, not only is he dealing with legal issues uh, involving uh, an alleged negligent operation of a motor vehicle, 
But he was graded last year for Pro Football Focus as the league's worst cover corner, which is funny considering the fact that when he was with the Patriots, he was one of the best corners in the league. He got paid, and now he's back with New England all of a sudden, where they, where they now have him for three more seasons after this. And the reason why is because – Christian Gonzalez, the the prize rookie who was taken 14th uh, overall right. in the NFL draft this year, is out mm-hmm. for the season with a torn labrum as well as a shoulder issue as well. So, the, for a defense who has who has allowed the 10th highest completion rate at 68% to opposing quarterbacks through week four. Uh, yeah, this is worst-case scenario for the New England Patriots. For a team that is literally struggling as it is to, uh, you know, to try and keep themselves in games. Now the one bright or the two bright spots of their defense are now gone due to injury. Yeah. Which yeah, not looking good. I, I, no, it isn't. And by the way, uh, speaking of the Patriots, they lead the league in percentage of drives ending in a punt or turnover with seventy-one percent. Seventy-one percent of their offensive drives ending in a punt or turnover. Just watching them recently, Steve, are you now as a big diehard Patriots fan? You watch a lot of the, every single player there is probably. I mean, is it time to – is it on Bill? Is it the players or is it is Mac Jones not the answer anymore? Because, I mean, it's, it seems like it's getting further, going further and further south, south every week. Getting a little bit worse yeah. every week. I mean, it, it's – honestly, it's hard to tell. It is – in all in all honesty, it is really hard to tell because Mac made a stupid decision last week to try and run with the ball, uh, which ended up uh, ended up resulting in a strip sack, uh, yeah. where which then resulted, I believe, in a return for a touchdown. Then he threw a pick six. It's honestly, I don't even know anymore whose fault it is. If it's Belichick's, if if Mac Jones just isn't the answer, uh, I really don't know at this point. Like, literally, our only shining is our defense, and that may be gone now uh, following these two big injuries. Uh, Those are huge injuries. Number one pick and your best player, Judon. I mean, those are two massive injuries. So it's like it might not get prettier before it gets worse. That's why I was surprised that the line was only one and a half this week. Yeah. And by the way, actually, let me check, because when I looked at it a couple of days ago, the line had gone from one and a half New England to even. Huh. Uh, no, now it's back to one. Now it's back to one for uh, for New England. So their favorite, yeah, New England's favorite player is he still if, iffy. 
Uh, he was listed as questionable. Wow. From what from what I had from what I had seen. Uh, let me. You know what? Let me check real quick because the NFL NFL.com should have a injury update for certain players. Um, yeah. I mean, they should, considering the fact that literally uh, we have early action again this week with uh, with the Jaguars playing in London yet again. Uh, let's see. Patriots. I just realized I'm looking at the wrong week again. Come on, let's try this again. 2023. <laughs> 2020 Patriots schedule. I'm getting around. <laughs> uh, Derek Carr, limited, <laughs> limited participation in practice. He is listed as questionable. Bill. Yeah. Well, might have Jameis Winston. I don't know. He might be another loss. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, it's probably a loss for New England. I'll just I'll just say that right out front. It's probably a loss for New England because I know yeah. what's going to happen. New England New England's going to keep it close. But uh, but New Orleans will probably do enough. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Let's go into our uh, our whispers wishes picks uh, for yeah. this upcoming week. And you know, obviously, there's more injuries to talk about. But when we get to the specific, uh, let me pause that. When we get to the specific game, I'll bring up the injury. Um, so. Obviously, we already had Thursday night football take place with the Bears with a shocking uh, 40 to 20 victory over the Commanders. Uh, mm-hmm. However, tomorrow we start our matchups in London with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, taking on the Buffalo Bills. And the first notable injury, the Buffalo Bills will be without Tredavious White after he suffered a torn Achilles in their win over the Miami Dolphins last week. Uh, so now White has suffered season-ending injuries in two of his last three seasons, with the last one being a torn ACL in 2021. Uh, he closes his season this year with 12 tackles and one pick while earning a pro football focus coverage grade of about 76.7. Uh, however, though, if all goes well with his surgery, it sounds like he should be good to go for training camp next season. Uh, so the Buffalo Bills were five-and-a-half-point favorites over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And honestly, I think that's probably the right note because even without, yeah, you know, even even without him, I think Buffalo will still be able to do enough to uh, to cover. So I'm going to go with Buffalo on this matchup. I would be very surprised 
then again, you know, technically the Jaguars are playing in front of their uh, soon-to-be new yeah. home crowd. Uh, but let's go. Let's go with you here first, Lou, on this one. Uh, Jacksonville and Buffalo. Who do you have? No question about it. The Bills all the way. And Diane, I know you're a Bills fan, so I assume you're going with the Bills. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, what about what about you, Alex? What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, Jaguars and Bills. Yeah, the Bills looked really good last week. They're they're back after their week one loss. They've they've gotten better every week. I'm going Bills. Uh, next matchup, the Houston Texans are two-point underdogs against the Atlanta Falcons uh, in Atlanta. And hang on, let me let me lower the volume here. I don't know why this freaking video keeps playing. Uh, going to this matchup, Houston and Atlanta. Uh, any notable outs? for this one doesn't really the Falcons don't have any injuries and for Houston it doesn't really look like there's anybody notable uh with that being said though I still I still believe that even though both teams are two and two I think the Falcons have the better have the better team overall so I will pick the Falcons in this one uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Lou? Houston and Atlanta. I'm going to go with Houston. I'm going to go with Houston on that one. Oh, interesting. So Houston will be, uh, if that happens, Houston will be over 500 for the first time in God knows how many years. A dog's age. Since the, I think since since the Deshaun Watson era. They'll be over 500 for the first time, essentially. Since the Matisse. Uh, yes. What What are your thoughts on this one, Diane? Uh, Houston or Atlanta? Atlanta. All right, we got uh, another one for Atlanta. What What about you, Alex? What do you Who do you have in this uh, in this matchup? I'm going with my boy Lou. Chad, the rookie, has been playing awesome for Houston. Coach D'Amico Ryan's is back in town. They're playing well. Atlanta's on the up and up too, but I mean the quarterback edge goes to Houston. I'm going to go Houston in a close one. Ooh. All right. You know, I I would actually be I would actually be very happily surprised if Houston somehow pulls one out because uh, you know they've spent. God knows how many years trying to trying to piece uh, that team back together, yeah. following yeah, the did. Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson era. Um, all right, our next matchup: uh, the Detroit Lions host the Carolina Panthers, and the Detroit Lions are actually nine-point favorites in this matchup. Now, I don't know if they win by nine points, but I think I do think Detroit wins this. I think Detroit overall has the better team, period. But, uh, you know, Bryce Young has been struggling at quarterback for Carolina. And, you know, I just – I don't really think 
that uh, Carolina, it, it almost seems like Carolina, if anything, has taken a step back from the uh, near playoff appearance that they had last season. Although, let me check. Will they? Oh, however, though, the Lions, uh, they have Amonra St. Brown listed as doubtful, though, with an abdomen injury. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I want... I think I'm going to go with the Lions, but I don't think that they'll cover. I think Carolina will hold it close. I'll agree with you on that. All right. What, what about your thoughts, Diane? Uh, who do you have with Carolina and Detroit? Detroit. All right, Alex, how about you? Yeah, I think no. I don't think – it sounds like St. Brown's not going to play Detroit's most important, most important weapon. Um Detroit's better team, so I think they'll win, but I think Carolina's going to cover. So, for this, I'm going to take Carolina. Yeah, you know, I would be I would be surprised if uh, – well, then again, I guess I shouldn't be surprised if Detroit still blows them out because, uh, I mean, Detroit leads the division right now. And Carolina, you know, they've obviously taken steps back compared to last season where they almost uh, – where literally they were in the playoff picture all the way up until the final week. Yeah. But uh, our next matchup, we have the Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts, and it is even. It is, it's a pick em game. Very surprising, but uh, – especially with the return of Jonathan Taylor, it is listed as a pick'em game. And, you know, I, I just I ultimately think that Vrabel is just too good of a coach. I have a feeling he's going to figure out how to – how to uh, neutralize uh, Richardson as well as Taylor. So I'm gonna go with Tennessee in this one. What are your What are your thoughts, Lou? What about you, Diane? Tennessee. All right, Alex, are you gonna make it a uh, a clean sweep, or do you think uh, <laughs> Do you think the Colts? Yeah, I was, I was thinking about it, and I just I remember the Titans. <laughs> Tennessee. Uh... Go Rabel. Uh, our next matchup, the New York Giants, they are 11-point underdogs going into Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins. And it is worth noting that the Miami Dolphins, they have a new toy to play with as they acquired Chase Claypool from the Chicago Bears in exchange for a 2025 sixth-round draft pick. And 
the one thing that Mike McDaniel said was Clay that the reason why they acquired they acquired Claypool specifically was because of his speed. So if you imagine if you imagine what uh you know what the dolphins are like right now with Tyreek Hill and also with Jalen Waddle. Imagine if Chase Claypool goes back to being what he was for the Pittsburgh Steelers with this offense. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, down. he's been shown the door by Dude, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with Claypool, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he could resurrect it, but I don't know. Chicago couldn't wait to get him out of town. Pittsburgh got rid of him. What after he was like a second round pick, they got rid of him pretty quickly. So it seems like there's something pretty smelly about him. But maybe he'll find glory in Miami. I don't know. I mean, they're they're so they're so good with or without him. I think they just took a, kind of a flyer on him. What they they swapped a late round pick for him. Uh, it was a it was a sixth round pick in 2025. Okay. So ultimately, you know, this, this was uh, originally he was he was traded for a second round pick. Pittsburgh got a wow. second round pick for him. But I think if he can get anywhere close to what he was in his first year with the Steelers, Miami, uh, their offense will have gotten even more terrifying with this deal. Uh, With that being said, considering how horrible the Giants are this year, I think it's clear as day. You know, Miami even with an even with an eleven point spread, Miami is definitely is definitely going to cover. What yeah. are your thoughts on this one, Lou? Miami's got this all the way. Giants have a prayer. What What are your thoughts on this one, Diane? Um, Dolphins and Giants. I'm at low. I mean, with, I mean, let's put it this way. Without, you know, without their star running back, the Giants are nothing. I mean, you, you think Dane Dimes can win all by himself? No, they need Barkley. Badly, they need Barkley. Oh, yeah. Right, no, the Giants de- need Barkley. So whoever's playing against the Giants... Yeah, yeah, so my so Miami then. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. What what about what about you, Alex? Do you do the Giants even have a prayer? No, I mean the G men they missed Barkley too, and then but just looking at them overall, I mean they're 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 not they can't even block. Danny Dimes is running for his life every second. I mean they're getting worse and worse. Yep. Uh, the Giants look really bad. 
they look they were a playoff team last year. They won a game against Minnesota, and they've really regressed after they gave Danny all that money. And they need Barkley, but I mean, they just have so many problems right now. It's really weird. They, they just look like a really bad team. I think Miami's probably going to just blow them out. Giants just really playing, looking bad lately. Yeah. Uh, by the way, a, uh, another score finalized officially: the Michigan Wolverines with a 52 to 10 win over Minnesota. Also, yep. Arkansas, Arkansas drops 27 to 20 against uh, Ole Miss. So those are two other uh, two other scores uh, that have come in here. Uh, our next matchup: the New Orleans Saints head into Gillette Stadium. Uh, as one and a half point underdogs, although technically now the updated the update is now uh, one point underdogs uh, against the Patriots, and you guys already know my pick. I spoiled it earlier. Uh, with the injuries that New England has suffered, and the fact that apparently we don't have an offense anymore, um, and we're now playing the quarterback carousel again, like we did last year. Uh, I've got the New Orleans Saints in this one. So what are your thoughts on this so do one? I. So do I. All right, Diane, how about you? New England. Ooh, okay. We have a New England pick. Oh, cool. Uh, how, how, about, how about you, Alex? Does New England have a prayer? I, I don't. They got a lot of a lot to figure out right now, and I think the Saints are. I think the Saints are going to beat them. Issues of their own, but man, that's, I'm I'm rooting for for your boys, man. I still think Mac can do something, but yeah, with the injuries and stuff, I'm going to go with the Saints. Uh, by the way, a, another score update uh, in the no chance in hell you ever saw this coming category: the Louisville Cardinals are smacking around the Notre Dame fighting Irish 33-13. to 13. Yeah. Wow. Good God. And might I add, Louisville has the ball. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our next matchup, the Baltimore Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites going into the Steel City to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, one thing worth noting here, Kenny Pickett is dealing with a bone bruise in his knee, and it sounds like, uh, not not just that, he's also dealing with a uh, muscle strain. And I believe, let me double check, I believe he might be officially out, but what the hell, why isn't this game on? Okay, here we go. All right, uh, Kenny Pickett is, well, he participated in full, so there's no designation for him on the injury report. That's interesting. However, the Steelers will be without Pat Fryermuth, uh, DeMarvin Leal, Dan Moore Jr., James Daniels, and Presley Harvin III. Uh who are all out with specific injuries. And the Ravens, 
They have Morgan Moses as doubtful and Odafe Owe listed as out, as well as Daryl Worley. Uh, but regardless, I think the Ravens easily win this one. Um, yeah. Even if Pickett does play, I think those injuries are going to hamper him quite a bit in the in this matchup. So what what are your thoughts on this one, Lou, with the Ravens and the Steelers? Ravens. What about you, Diane? Ravens. All right, and Alex, what are your thoughts? Exactly. Steelers are a bit banged up and they've they really haven't shown any consistency on offense. I still don't really know about Pickett and now he's banged up. I gotta go with the Ravens. Alrighty, our next matchup, uh, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. By, by the way, uh, I, as we are approaching overtime, I am not sure uh, if we're going to go the full length. Uh, my phone has been having problems recently. So if we do get cut off, it's not on my, you know, it's obviously my phone's fault. Uh, but hopefully uh, we can get as much as we can in. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be able to. I'm gonna be able to go to about 11:30, Steve. I'll be good till 11:30. Okay. That's okay. Awesome. Uh, but the that's funny. Uh, saying about 11:30 also, okay. and uh, Steve, I'm not gonna be calling in next week. Oh, okay. Uh, but our ne- our next matchup, we have the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, four and a half point favorites, going to. Uh, L.A. to play the Los Angeles Rams, and it's worth noting Cooper Cup is officially back for the for the Los Angeles Rams. And I just got to say, having him join the likes of Puka Nakua in that wide receiver core now, considering the records that Nakua was putting up as a rookie, wow. That Rams offense just just improved significantly. However, though, uh, let me check real quick when it comes to the Eagles. Uh, oh, Fletcher Cox is out with a back injury. Cam Jurgens is out with a foot injury. Uh, Rashad Penny is doubtful with an illness. Uh, the Rams... Joe Noteboom is out with a groin issue. Ooh, this just got interesting. Because, you see, I did not know that Fletcher Cox was going to be out. Mm. Rams can knock him off. I might take the Rams in this one. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to take the Rams. What do you think, Lou? Despite that, I'm still going to take the Eagles anyway. You think, go, the, you think the Eagles <laughs> still? Uh, you think the Eagles still uh, still win it? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, you're not an Eagles yeah, fan. Gee, what were that idea? I assume, you I assume you're going down the same route. Uh, I assume you're going down the same route, Diane. Sure, Eagles. 
All righty. Uh, what about what about you, Alex? Yeah, I think in the real world, the Eagles win, but in this with the spread, uh, it's going to be like a two or three point game. It's a three point spread, right? Uh, it's four and a half, yeah. actually. Oh man, yeah, no, I got to go with the Rams with the spread. I think the Eagles will win in real life, but with the spread, with the points, I'm going to go Rams. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you that Cooper Cup coming back in that just made this game yeah. a lot closer. Still four and a half. And the Rams, I mean, the Eagles just squeaked past the Redskins, the Commanders last week. Rams can be dangerous. Right. They are dangerous, and they get Cooper Cup back. Yeah. Uh, let's see our next matchup. We have the Cincinnati Bengals going to Arizona as three point favorites. And honestly, I'm surprised. I'm surprised it's not higher, but I think maybe that's probably because of the fact that Cincinnati, for some reason, has been horrible this season. Yes. Uh, but with that being said, though they're facing a team that's even worse than them in Arizona that are trying to give off the appearance like they're trying to contend when really they're tanking for Caleb. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to go with the Bengals for this one. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on this one, Lou? Yeah, I think I think the Bengals on this one. Okay. How about, how about you, Diane? Bengals. All righty. Alex, how about you? Yeah, who day? I'm going to have to go with the, the Bengals. I'm going Cincinnati. All righty. We, uh, we got a clean sweep there. Uh, our next matchup, the New York Jets head to mile high uh, underdogs against the Denver Broncos. And just considering what I've seen out of both teams so far, uh, obviously the Broncos, they just got rid of Randy Gregory, who is now off to, uh, he's now off to San Francisco as part of that deal, uh, trading Gregory and a uh, seventh round pick in exchange for a sixth round pick this year. Uh, I still – here's the problem I have with the Jets is that as long as Zach Wilson is their quarterback, it's going to be a repeat of last year and the, la- the last couple of seasons that, that they've had Zach Wilson, basically. Mm. And a matter of fact, I'm, I'm even surprised that he even did as good as he did last week against Kansas City. It's almost as if Kansas City was toying around with them last week because it. Uh, there were a couple of plays that I saw Kansas City just absolutely burning the Jets, uh, burning the Jets' defense. Uh, I'm going to go with Broncos simply because of I think the altitude factor may play a role here. Because we we have seen it happen before where teams that come into Denver, regardless of what sport it is, they're all, they always seem to be a little bit off due to the fact that they're playing at a different altitude 
whereas Denver, of course, you know, they're used to playing in in uh, colder weather, Col- colder weather, and also, uh, you know, also a difference when it comes to the air. Uh, so I'm going to go that, and also considering Russell Wilson uh, seems to be off to a better start this year statistically, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos in this one. What are what are your thoughts, Lou? Denver has no defense, and you can't win a game without defense. So I'm taking the Jets. All right. I mean that that is definitely a fair point. Defense is the uh, is the Jets' uh, strong strong. Uh, it's their it's their strong point of their of their team. Needless to say, and the good news for the Jets, even though they're missing two cornerbacks. Uh, you know, they're not really cornerbacks that are actually, you know, like even, even if they, even if they had them, uh, they're probably depth cornerbacks, if anything. So what, what are your thoughts, Diane, uh, Jets and Broncos? Broncos. All right. Uh, what about, what about you, Alex, in this one? Yeah, it's amazing. I was shocked. Zach Wilson actually resembled an NFL quarterback last week. I so I think do I believe in him long term? Still probably not. But he's playing a lot better. I, and Denver's just like Lou said, just a bad defense. Big edge for the Jets defensively. So I think it's going to be an ugly game. But I'm going to take the Jets in an ugly game. Close one. Two bad teams. Jets got the defense. All right, our next our next matchup, uh, City Chiefs and Taylor Swift head to Minnesota as five-point favorites. <laughs> and also, I'm setting the over-under for this game for how many times Taylor Swift is shown on camera at nine. Uh, and I'm going with the over on that. Yeah, um, double digits. Yeah, it's, I think it'll easily be double digits that she's shown on camera. Every uh, probably after every single yeah. play that uh, that Travis Kelsey is involved with. Uh, uh, one thirty-seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, once that once every seven minutes, like like you just said. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, though, I mean, come on, the Vikings. The Vikings couldn't even beat the Chargers with no. a brain-dead coach like Brandon Staley there trying to give away the game, and then the Vikings go, no, we don't want this win. Here you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this one is easy. I'm going with the Chiefs. I think it'll, I think it'll be a very uh, – it'll be a very, a very easy win for them, and uh, all of the Taylor Swift fans will, uh, will be in their glory. Uh, you know, maybe perhaps you might see you might see a big game out of Travis Kelsey in this one too, because the Vikings defense might, is horrible. Might. What are your thoughts, Lou? First, I would say to just to shake it off, but you know, oh boy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, I had to go. You know, I had to go somewhere with that. Come on. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wait. Uh, read the names again. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings. Chiefs, Vikings, 
Vikings are the same team as they were last year when they went 14-3. What happened? Kirk Cousins happened. Okay, there's your answer. Plain and simple. But by the way, he's going to free agency this uh, uh, at the end of this season too. So this is probably his yeah. last year that he's a Vikings that he's a Viking starter. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this one, Diane? Chiefs. I'm a Taylor Swift fan. Yeah, well, it's, I, I, th- I think it's clear as day that Ka- that Kansas City. Uh, I mean, e- even even if the even if the uh, Vikings were a little bit better, I still think Kansas City takes it. Uh, what about what about you, Alex? Yeah, I just no. She's she's seems nice and everything, and but it's just overkill. There's too much of her every time, every seven minutes on the TV. And then I'm leaning Chiefs, and then um, like you said, Cousins is fifth game of the row with him in Minnesota. Um, they really have a bad defense. I think the Chiefs will light them up. I'm going KC. Mm-hmm. All right, and this one, this next one is perhaps my most intriguing matchup of the week. The Dallas Cowboys head to San Francisco for Sunday night football as four-point underdogs against the San Francisco 49ers. And a few noteworthy things. Stephon Gilmore did not practice, and neither did Demarcus Lawrence for the Cowboys. Zach Martin was uh, was a full participation in practice, as well as Tyrone Smith. So those are some good news for Dallas, but could this mean Dallas may be without Gilmore and Lawrence potentially? Uh, Jonathan Hankins also did not participate, and Peyton Hendershot is currently listed as out with an ankle issue. Uh, For the Niners, though, Christian McCaffrey did not practice. Uh After after his four – touchdown performance last week. Now, obviously the question is, did they just give him practice off and he's still going to play? Or is there actually an issue? Because there's, he isn't listed uh, with any sort of injury, but he's on the injury report for some reason. Uh, Also, Left tackle Trent Williams did not participate in practice as well for the Niners. Uh, with that being said, though, normally I would pick Dallas, but something has been going on with this San Francisco offense this year. That you know they're off to such a hot start that it, it almost seems like it doesn't matter who scores. They're I mean they're ranked fourth in offense. Their rushing attack is ranked fourth uh, amongst the whole league. Their defense is ranked fifth, and they have the 11th ranked passing offense in the league as well. So I'm going to go with the Niners in this one, and I think they just barely cover. What are your thoughts, Lou? Mm. I'll agree with you. You have the Niners? I definitely have it. Wait, Niners have the Cowboys? Uh, you know what? No. Cowboys. Cowboys. I, th- I, th- I think uh, Brock is due for a loss. 
I was gonna say, you being a cowboy fan, I was I was surprised yeah. that uh that you'd be picking against the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh what yeah. what are your thoughts what are your thoughts, Diane? Dallas. All righty, we got two for the Cowboys. Uh how about you, Alex? I think it's gonna be a field goal game, so I'm gonna take it's gonna go down to the wire. Dallas is up and down, but they have so much talent. I think they're going to play really, really, really hard. It'll go down to the wire. It could go either way. So with the spread, what, what is it? Dallas is getting four points. Dallas by four. Or no, da- yeah, Dallas uh, is the underdog uh, by four. Yes, I'm going with Dallas. Still go game, I think. All righty. And this leads us to Monday night football between the Green Bay Packers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, We do already have two players who will be out for the Packers. That's Zane Anderson with a hamstring issue and Devondre Campbell with a ankle issue. Uh, Jair Alexander is questionable with a back injury after only having limited participation in practice. The same goes for Aaron Jones, who had limited participation with a hamstring issue. Uh, Surprisingly, Christian Watson also had limited participation as well. Uh, Meanwhile, for the Raiders, Devontae Adams is listed as questionable with a shoulder issue. Nate Hobbs is listed as out. Uh, the biggest thing for the Raiders, though, is that Jimmy Garoppolo will officially be back after clearing concussion protocol. However, though, I feel that the Raiders are just so dysfunctional this season. Yeah. I don't really know if – because, you know, they already – you know, they had to release Chandler Jones following his issues. And for what it sounds like, everything that he has put out there, if it's to be believed, the Raiders have a lot of underlying issues with this team right now, and it all stems from Josh McDaniels. So I think I'm going to go with the Packers in this one, uh, with the Packers being two-point uh, two favorites. What are your thoughts, Lou? Packers. Okay, what about you, Diane? Packers. All righty, and what about what about you in this one, Alex? Uh, yeah, like you said, man, there's more drama than Kanye and the Kardashians out, out in uh, Vegas right now. Uh, McDaniel sucks as a coach. Yeah. And I feel bad for Jimmy G, and then definitely for Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, two of the better players in, our, in the league. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not. I, I, I can't go against. I can't go with the Raiders. So I'm going with the pack. All right. And by the way, uh, the Packers, I forgot to mention, too, the Packers will be without David Bakhtiari for the remainder of the season as he Uh, will undergo surgery to fix uh, a cartilage issue in his knee. So he will be out the remainder of the season. Um, and apparently the issue stems from a torn ACL that he suffered late in the 2020 season. Uh, doctors apparently had hoped that the cartilage issue would not become a problem, but eventually it surfaced, which thus required season-ending surgery this year. However, though, he does expect 
expect to be ready for training camp next season. However, though, with him being 32 years old and going through yet another, yet another knee surgery, it, it, it is fair to wonder whether or not this may have been the last that we have seen of him in the NFL. Because getting older, getting – right, exactly, Alex. He's a big guy. A lot of weight on those knees, man. He's like 300 pounds. Uh, Also, uh, speaking of of potential retirements, Jamie Collins officially retired from the NFL after 10 seasons, uh, previously playing in 2022 where he appeared in three games and totaled two tackles. Uh, the Patriots made him a second-round pick back in 2013 as he went on to earn one Pro Bowl nod while winning two Super Bowls throughout his 10-year career. Uh, he finishes his career with 708 tackles and 26.5 career stacks. Great career. And He's gone back and forth to the Patriots twice, right? To the Browns and back to uh, the Patriots. Yeah. a good run. Right, yeah. Got a couple of rings yeah. too, right? With Brady. Yep, he got uh he got two rings. Let me see if I can I think one of them was in Super Bowl yeah, one of them was Super Bowl forty nine. Wait. Yeah. Wait a minute, let me make sure. Yeah, X L I X. Yeah, Super Bowl forty nine. And he also he also got one for 2019, even though technically he didn't play. Or no, not 2019. That's that's Kansas City. Uh, he got one for Super Bowl for Super Bowl 51, even though technically I don't think he even played that season. Wait. Yeah, he did. Wait a minute. Why does why does Wikipedia not have him listed as a Super Bowl champion that year? That's odd. Because he is a two he is a two time Super Bowl champion. Matter of fact, I remember him playing in Super and, Bowl Fifty One. But huh. regardless, yeah, uh, you know he was he was actually a pretty good linebacker for for the Patriots. Um, problem is is that it seemed like he was one of those guys that was that excelled in a system I mean when the Patriots traded him in 2016 and he went to Cleveland he didn't be he didn't become his normal self in Cleveland until his final year there in 2018 where he had where he had four sacks uh then he went back to New England for one year. Uh, went two years in Detroit, or part of two years, I should say, before he was then traded back to New England. And he finished off his career in New England uh, in 2022, playing in only three games. So, I mean, definitely uh, – you know he's not he's not Hall of Fame by any means, but uh, definitely a very solid defender. And I think he's I think he's one of those defenders that you would consider a system type player. 
where he only fits in certain types of uh, certain types of defenses. Yeah. Uh, also around the league, Seahawks safety Jamal Adams will not be disciplined for his actions toward the independent concussion doctor uh, this past Monday night after he was ruled out after he took an accidental knee to the head from Daniel Jones on a scramble. And when the concussion doctor uh, ruled him out for the remainder of the game, he lost his temper and had to be physically separated from the doctor and escorted off of the field. Jesus. One way to react. Yeah, needless to say. Uh, elsewhere, we do have, uh, for, in particular for the NHL, uh, we do have a few injuries to report. First off, Sam Bennett is considered to be doubtful for the Florida Panthers season opener uh, with a lower body injury. And it sounds like he will miss a couple of weeks potentially, according to head coach Paul Maurice, after Bennett uh, suffered an injury on Thursday against the Tampa Bay Lightning in a 6-3 to preseason win. Uh, not just that, but also, uh, the Ottawa Senators will be without Josh Norris indefinitely due to a shoulder issue, uh, which this is the same shoulder issue that limited him to eight games last season after, uh, before he injured it in a game against the Arizona Coyotes back on October 22nd. Uh, he then returned and played three games before he underwent season-ending surgery. And he was expected to be ready for training camp and play during the preseason, but he ultimately did not play. So now he is out indefinitely. And according to the training staff and doctors, they are telling the Ottawa Senators that he is not going to play. So, uh after, especially after he signed an eight-year, $63.6 million contract back in 2022, uh, it's definitely frustrating for an organization like Ottawa who is trying to get back into the playoff mix. Uh, also, as well, for uh, around the league, uh, looks like John Klingberg is expected to be ready for the Maple Leafs season opener after missing the past week with an upper body issue. Uh, so he should be good to go. And the Minnesota Wild, they have signed Ryan Hartman to a three-year $12 million deal uh, with an average, average annual value of $4 million. So that will not that will not begin until next season when it comes to contracts as he had one uh, year remaining on his current deal. Uh, elsewhere, the Anaheim Ducks, they finally came to terms with both Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegris. First uh, with Jamie Drysdale, a three-year $6.9 million contract. Uh, he is projected to be on the top line for the Anaheim Ducks. 
uh, being one of the team's top two defensemen. Uh, he ended up only playing eight games last year before he had shoulder surgery to repair a torn labrum that would keep him out of the lineup the rest of the season. Uh, as far as Trevor Zegers goes, uh, the new deal for him comes with an average annual value of five and three quarter million dollars and will carry him through the 2025-2026 season. So, Needless to say, Anaheim avoids uh, avoids potential issues not having two of their top players in the lineup come opening night. For sure. And also, uh, just a little note here, the LA Kings have agreed to terms on a one-year extension for head coach Todd McClellan after leading the L.A. Kings back to the playoffs last season. So, uh, you know, with that being said, that's pretty much everything we've got on the, uh, on the plate tonight. Uh, I do want to thank Lou. I, I do want to thank uh, Lou, Diane, and Alex. Uh, for joining me tonight. And I do want to add a reminder that uh, for any fans of Survivor or Big Brother, uh, Thursday night is the Survivor 45 recap show. Friday night is Vibe recap show. And, of course, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, We have Quite a bit. I'm pretty sure there's, uh, with the playoffs going on in Major League Baseball, there's going to be a ton uh, to talk about. Who knows? Maybe by this time next week, Atlanta, Baltimore, maybe they'll maybe they'll both be out. Maybe the Dodgers will be out. Uh, and hell, with everything that's going on in the NFL, who knows what the hell we're going to be talking about with them uh, with with uh, with the NFL landscape. Yep. Uh, yeah. But, but with that being said, uh, that's it for us tonight. Everybody have a great rest of your weekend. Have a great uh, Columbus Day as well. And oh, yeah. we, will be back, we will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.